Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Reason for Hope. I'm your host, Mario Costabile, and I hope you're having a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Reason for Hope has been in production now for over a year. I cannot believe it. This is our 20th episode, and we're growing each week, little by little, with our following. And I want to thank those of you that have been listening to us from the beginning. If you're new to us, welcome, and I'm so happy that you found us. A Ray of Hope is involved in many aspects of film, television, events, and these podcasts, which really gives us an outlet to tackle deeper subjects about our faith and also to share some issues and concerns that are on many hearts and minds. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so, and also please give us a good rating. It really helps us to get the word out and hit that share button. Share, share, share. Also, join us on social media where you can keep engaged with us through our music, our videos, and our daily reflections. All the music on this podcast is original and created by Array of Hope, so you can also subscribe to us on Spotify and all the other music platforms. If you heard the weather forecast and it was going to pour torrential rain, wouldn't you bring an umbrella? If you were at a restaurant and just found out that many people got sick the night before from food poisoning... Would you leave? If you were at a very busy street crossing and there was a big sign that said clearly, crossing this highway is prohibited and extremely dangerous, would you cross? Let me ask you some other questions on a different topic. Do you believe that the Blessed Mother is the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Well, yes, right? Do you believe that she was full of grace? Well, yes, of course. Do you believe that she was sinless? Yeah. Do you believe that she wouldn't lie? Well, of course she wouldn't. Do you believe in the many apparitions of our Blessed Mother, the appearances at Fatima, Portugal, or Lourdes, France, or Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico? Do you believe in those apparitions? Well, if you're Catholic, you would probably say yes. I believe in those. So, if you answered yes to all these, shouldn't we believe her messages and her warnings? If we believe that she was free from sin and wouldn't lie, well, nothing has changed outside of her having even greater authority now because she's in heaven and she came down from heaven through those apparitions, right? But yet, we trust other warnings. We accept warnings from fallen men, but why not from the mother of God? Well, we're going to explore her messages today. We're going to explore the messages from Fatima and why they are still ignored today. Our guest is Doug Barry. He is an amazing Catholic evangelist and an expert on Fatima. So welcome to Reason for Hope. And here we go. So today, we are back with David Heideck, our Director of Theology, and we have a very interesting topic. Today, we're going to explore the message of Our Lady when she appeared in Fatima, Portugal, and look at its relevance for us today. We did a 13-part video series called Fatima Gems not too long ago with 
the late Father Andrew Apostoli that is really informative and exciting. You guys should check that out also. So this is a very important message today. It's no secret that we are living in challenging times, times of crisis in our nation and in our world, as well as the church. Does any of this have a connection to what happened in a small village in Portugal back in 1917 when Our Lady appeared to three shepherd children, Lucia, her cousins Francisco, and Jacinta? They were very young, 10, 9, and 7. So Dave, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview, some background on actually what happened in Fatima way back when? Okay, so in the year 1916, Three children were visited by an angel three times while tending their sheep. Uh, The angel told them, I am the angel of peace. Pray with me. And kneeling on the earth, he bent his forehead to the ground. The children did the same thing with the angel. And they prayed this prayer three times. And those who are familiar with Fatima are familiar with this prayer. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. So the angel told the children, pray in this way, and the hearts of Jesus and Mary are attentive to the voice of your supplications when you do. The angel would uh, go on to tell them to, to pray and pray a great deal and to make everything you can a sacrifice and offer it to God as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and in prayer for the conversion of sinners. And above all, accept and bear with submission the sufferings which the Lord will send you. So in the last vision of the angel, the angel held in his left hand a chalice over which was suspended a host from which drops of blood fell into the chalice. So leaving the chalice and the host suspended in the air, the angel prostrated himself down near to the earth by the children and repeated this prayer three times. Uh, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore thee profoundly. I offer thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences whereby he is offended. And through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. So the angel took the chalice and the host and gave Lucia, the sacred host, on the tongue. And then, while giving the precious blood from the chalice to Francisco and Jacinta, the angel said, Eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ, horribly outraged by ungrateful men, and make reparation for their crimes to console your God. And then, um, on May 13, 1917, the three children took their flock to the Cova de Iria to graze, and after some flashes of lightning, they saw uh, a lady in dazzling light just a few meters away. She told him that she was from heaven and said, I came to ask you to come here on the 13th day of each month for six months at the same time, and then I will return here a seventh time. She told him to pray the rosary every day, and then she rose up in a cloud of light and disappeared. Lucia warned her cousins to keep the event secret, you can imagine, but Jacinta, being quite young, uh, blabbed to her parents, and the parents, of course, were very distressed, thinking that their children were telling tales. Lucia's mother was particularly harsh towards her, Um, and as word of the visions began to spread, people began to travel to be present for them, and uh, this attracted the attention of both the church and the government authorities. They got involved, investigated the children, 
uh, treating them actually rather harshly and attempting to get them to give up their story. The children refused, which is really something, and endured all kinds of trials, even the threat of death by the government administrator of the area. The children were faithful, though, to Our Lady's request and came on the 13th of every month. She promised them a great sign in the last apparition to show that she was indeed appearing. And this is the famous miracle of the sun, which our our listeners may have heard about, which was witnessed by, believe it or not, some 70,000 people in which the sun danced in the sky, radiated an array of colors, and even seemed at one point to come crashing down to earth, creating quite a panic before returning to its place in the sky. It had been pouring rain for a long time prior to that miracle. Everything became dry after the vision concluded. So that's a summary of Fatima. So let me ask another question. So so what are the ways that Fatima is connected to what is going on in our world today? And in particular, you know, our church. I know that you feel that there's a definite connection between the attacks on family and marriage. Why do you think so? Well, this is actually interesting. There's a few points, I think, historically that are important. There was this cardinal, uh, Cardinal Carlo Caffara, who was the Archbishop Emeritus of Bologna, and the founding president of the Pontifical John Paul II Institute for Studies on Marriage and the Family. Um, He's one of the four dubia cardinals. Uh, Those are the cardinals that publicly questioned some particular points in Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, the apostolic exhortation on the family. Um, For these points appeared contrary to the constant teaching of the church to these cardinals. So they inquired about these points to the pope. Um, Cardinal Kafara stated that in 1981, the Pope, Pope John Paul II, founded the Institute, and the first years of the founding were very difficult. Um, The Institute was not welcome by the culture, clearly because it was teaching something that was contrary to the way the culture was moving with regards to questions of marriage and sexuality and family, but it also wasn't well-received within the church. And the cardinal was getting a lot of pushback from within the church. And the cardinal just decided on a whim to, like, write to Sister Lucia, who at this stage was, was I believe, in her 90s. The two cousins, Jacinta and Francisco, died within, I think, a year of the apparitions right. from the Spanish flu. That was predicted by Our Lady to them, that they would die early. But Lucia was also told she would live a long life, and it was her job to make sure the message of Fatima got out. So here she is in her 90s, and Cardinal Kafara writes to her, and he just says, um, you know, the Pope wanted this institute. We're going through a very difficult time. I ask you only to pray. You don't need to reply. And why did he reach out to her? Because Our Lady of Fatima was the patroness of the institute. And that may have been connected to the fact that, uh, a little-known fact perhaps by some, that on May 13th, 1981, the very feast of Our Lady of Fatima, the day that John Paul II was going to announce the founding of the Institute was the day that John Paul II was shot. Mm. So I think there was a diabolical force behind all of that and the timing of that. So anyhow, so he thought to reach out to Sister Lucia. He was surprised. Like, within a few weeks, he got a very long handwritten letter back from her. And uh, the letter ended this way. Father, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan 
will be over marriage and the family. And those who will work for the good of the family will experience persecution and tribulation. But do not be afraid because Our Lady has already crushed his head. Now, Cardinal Kafara, speaking in 2017, stated that he believed that after almost 30 years from getting that letter, that Sister Lucia's words were taking place. So he proposed that Satan is constructing like an anti-creation, attempting to threaten and destroy the life of the child in the womb and marriage in the family as God created it. As if Satan were provoking the Lord, saying to him, I will fashion another creation and man and woman will like it better. Hmm. Another interesting point on this, I think, is that the cardinal indicated that woman is the battlefield of this decisive battle. After original sin, you might recall, Mario, that God addressed the serpent and said, I will place enmity between you and the woman. And Cardinal Kafara indicates that God puts a particular enmity between the woman and evil as if the woman had a kind of instinct for the good because of this. And therefore, the woman has a particular involvement that has consequences for culture, society, and the family. Hmm. So, um, and what do we see promoted in our culture today about what femininity is all about, right? The verse from Genesis continues that God will place enmity between the woman's offspring and the serpent, which is a prophecy of Christ and the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know, we had a guest a number of podcasts ago, Dr. Carrie Gress, and uh, she wrote a supremely important book called The Anti-Mary Exposed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really chronicles the anti-Marian spirit of contemporary feminism. And, and how this feminism is actually steeped in Marxist ideology and how the original feminist movement got hijacked by the sexual revolution, which is actually something that Dr. Deborah Savage talked about right. in our episode on the feminine genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this connection with Marxism is very interesting. Fatima is original among the Marian apparitions because Our Lady's message there had a distinctly prophetic character. So, for example, she predicted that if the world did not repent and beg God for mercy, there would be a war even worse than World War I. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened? World World War II. II. Yeah. Right. And she also predicted that Russia would spread her errors if nations did not repent and Russia was not consecrated to her immaculate heart. Now, the, the last apparition occurred in October of 1917. The Bolshevik Revolution that saw Lenin's rise to power and the actualization in history of Marxist atheistic materialism and anti-religious communism occurred just a few short weeks later. So mm. when she was predicting the, the errors of Russia, no one really knew what those errors were because that revolution happened after. By the way, on this, I really recommend the writings of Paul Kenger. He has written a lot on Marx and communism. And in fact, his book by Tan Books, The Devil and Karl Marx, is a must-read, in my opinion, a must-read. One of the points that he makes um, in his book, Takedown, is that in Bolshevik Russia, you weren't free to own a farm or a factory or business or bank account or go to church or print your own newspaper. But if you wanted a divorce or abortion, the sky was the limit. Hmm. Their policies actively sought, Mario, to destroy the traditional family and cripple the power of religion, replacing them with state control and dependency. Uh, And they were so effective in part by controlling the information flow and getting involved in active propaganda and re-education efforts. There were three abortions to every one live birth by 1934 in Russia. Wow, 
Man. Okay. So it was deconstruction and reconstruction gone wild. And, and it's interesting that in our own nation today, the radical progressives embody so many of these views and tactics, and they've gained a real stronghold. Indeed, I think Russia's errors have spread, and even in the land of the free and home of the brave. Wow. it's really interesting, Dave. Wasn't uh, John Paul II an arch opponent to communism? I mean, he is the key player in the fall of the Soviet Union, right? In the yeah. late 80s and, and early 90s, right? right? That's right. And and this is really intriguing because he was such an evangelist for respect for life and for marriage and the family. Even even started this institute to promote the the authentic teachings of the Catholic Church on these issues. But in 1976, before he was pope, uh, Cardinal Wojtyla came to the United States for a, a visit— and at the end of his time, he made this incredible statement that is such, it's so prophetic to me. This is what he said. We are now standing in the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has gone through. I do not think that wide circles of the American society or wide circles of the Christian community realize this. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church of the gospel versus the anti-gospel. This confrontation lies within the plans of divine providence. It is a trial which the whole church, and the Polish church in particular, must take up. It is a trial of not only our nation and the church, but in a sense, a test of 2,000 years of culture and Christian civilization with all of its consequences for human dignity, individual rights, human rights, and the rights of nations. So I and others believe that the, the future pope there <laughs> meant much more than a clash between the Soviet Union and the democratic nations. Um, remember Sister Lucia's words about the decisive battle? Remember what Cardinal Kafara said about Lucia's words, that Satan is attempting to fashion another creation? Hmm. This anti-creation, right? It attacks what it means to be a human person, what it means to be male and female, what marriage is, what the family is, and replaces these with gender ideology, transgenderism, homosexuality, same-sex relationships, polyamory, and alternative family structures. It attacks life itself, the fruit of the womb, the crown of the union of man and woman, and replaces it with abortion, contraception, reproductive technologies like in vitro fertilization, or with surrogacy. And more, those who support creation as God made it, with its intrinsic purposes and ends, those who stand up for life and the family as it is in both natural and divine law, we have become the oppressors, the bigots, the haters, even in a strange kind of twisted logic, unchristian. Like, remember Sister Lucia's words about what will happen to those who stand up for the good of marriage and family. So, even in our own church, even in the hierarchy, we can see elements that have jumped onto this anti-creation train and are putting forth ideas that, at best, are confusing and vaguely seem to approve of these things or are conspicuously silent on them under the guise of being pastoral. And at worst, downright, are lobbying for them and for a change in the official teaching of the church. Mm -hmm. So remember, John Paul II discussed a battle between the church and the anti-church. And so I think that we can see that powerfully even today. So, Fatima remains exceedingly relevant for our time. So, Dave, what are some of the practical takeaways for our listeners? What can we all do in these troubling times? Um, what is Our Lady calling us to do, really? Well, I think we need to take Mary at her word. So, uh, 
we also, I think, need to learn from the visionaries and their courage. So Mary exhorts us to pray the rosary every day. If we want peace in the world, we need to hold fast to our rosary. So first and foremost, we should be praying the rosary every day. She said that if we want to assuage the coming chastisement of Almighty God, then we need to pray the rosary every day. We need to make reparation for our sins and for those of the whole world. We need to do penances, practice mortifications, offer up our daily sufferings to God through Mary, begging his mercy. And then I think lastly, we need to stand courageously in the truth. I mean, I think about the August 13th apparition that wasn't because what happened was the the children were supposed to be in the spot where they would appear on the 13th, but the governmental administrator at the time tried to prevent them from going, and then he offered to drive them there, but then he took them to jail. Right. Right? And uh, and it was pretty vicious. Um, by the way, at the time, this is an interesting little tidbit and sidebar, but it's related. At the time in Portugal, the Freemasons, uh, who promoted an atheistic, humanist ideology, um, they really gained control. So it's interesting to see that the government at the time in Fatima really was this, like, radical, humanistic— um, secularistic, atheistic sort of government. Well, he made it very hard on the children. He said to them that if they didn't reveal the secret that Mary had told them or deny the visions, he was going to boil them in oil mm-hmm. and kill them. And then he threw them in prison with hardened criminals. And these are small children, like 10, 9, and 7. Yeah. But they refused to budge. And I think about myself, how willing am I today not to budge, even to be thought of in a bad way. You know, nobody's threatening me with oil. Nobody's throwing me in prison yet, perhaps. But, like, I'm just, like, afraid to even speak up because people might say bad things about me or or because people might attack me. I think about that. We need to be courageous, you know. We need to be willing to be boiled alive instead of watering down the truth, especially the truth about God's plan for life and for marriage and for the family and for sexuality. Mm-hmm. So we need the virtue and gift of fortitude, I think, that the children had. This is a great message, Dave. And I think our culture and even our church truly underestimates the value and and prolific message that Our Lady has given to us over time through our apparitions. And Fatima is certainly a message that we really should be listening to, especially today. And um, the points that you made were really great. And thank you for that. You're welcome. So this podcast is about the messages from Our Lady, from the Blessed Mother. And we should be doing the rosary every day. As a matter of fact, this is one of her requests in Fatima. Uh, She asked the little children to do the rosary daily and instructed them to tell the church and to tell the whole world to pray the rosary each and every day as a devotion. And the Hail Mary is a prayer that's so vital, so powerful. Um, Our music team put together a musical version of that in song. Uh, that it's actually going to be released this week on all our music platforms and also on YouTube as a video. So we'd like to share a little excerpt with you at this time. Amen.
So our featured guest today is Doug Barry. He is the devout husband, father, and founder of Radex Battle Ready, a Catholic apostolate that focuses on encouraging and strengthening men, women, and youth to be better prepared to fight the battles that we all face in the world today, body, mind, and soul. Since 1992, he has traveled both internationally and nationally, speaking to young and old alike through television, radio, and live appearances. For many years, Doug was the co-host of EWTN's Life on the Rock, and now he currently hosts a television show, Battle Ready, which also airs on EWTN. Let's welcome Doug. So, hey, Doug, how are you? Thanks for joining us today. Oh, I'm doing great. I appreciate the chance to be with you. Yeah, yeah, we're we're happy to have you here on board on this podcast with us. And uh, I know that you've done a lot of stuff in the Catholic Church, and your background is very diverse and vast. And before we get into all that, I just want to know a little bit about the young Doug Barry, the young young man that evolved into the person that he is today. So, were you raised Catholic, or, or are you a cradle Catholic? Maybe tell a little bit about your background. Yeah, I was raised Catholic, uh, and I, I actually like to refer to myself as a former clock-in, clock-out Catholic. Mm. So I would, I, and I, what I mean by that is I'd walk into church, put my hand in the holy water font, make the sign of the cross, clock in, walk out after Mass, holy water font, make the sign of the cross, clock out. And that was pretty much the extent of my faith. And so, you know, grew up baptized Catholic, went to Catholic grade school, um, Catholic high school for a little bit. And uh, just kind of was going through the motions. And I felt like as long as I was getting to Mass on Sunday, everything was good. Um, never really missed Mass on Sunday except for being sick, probably half a dozen or so times in my life. But my heart was not present. I wasn't actually owning my faith, as I say. I was more the clock-in, clock-out Catholic mm. until until about 21, 20, 21 years old, roughly, is when things started to change. Well, then here's the million dollar question: What happened? How did the, how did our Lord pierce your heart and and draw you toward Him? Yeah, it, it was a combination of things. You know, I mean, some people go through, you know, and God bless them, they go through that moment where something hits them and it's a it's a revelation of some sort, and everything all of a sudden is different for them. For me, it was a combination of one: I met a young lady who is now my wife of thirty years, just an amazing young lady, and she. Um, you, you know, there's that quote from, um, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who said that the nobler a woman is, the nobler a man will be because mm. a man is designed to pursue the heart of a woman. And if a woman lowers herself and her, her character and dignity and settles for something much lower, the man will easily go there in most cases. But if the woman elevates and the woman really raises the bar because men are wired and built by God to pursue the heart of a woman. It, it's more likely if that man is decent at all that he's going to elevate for the sake of winning the heart of the woman. Well, my wife was definitely a, a you know raise the bar type of person, and that was that was step one that, that started to affect me. I would say step two was um, my mother was constantly praying for me. Good faithful woman, God rest her soul, uh, passed away a couple of years ago, but just a great woman, and constantly praying and reminding me that no matter what you do in life, Doug. Uh, the most important thing is when you stand before God. So she would say this, and these were her words. I don't care if you're a rocket scientist, which I've never been, or if you work on a garbage route, which I have done, uh, you know, all garbage before when I was a kid, when I was a upper teen, teenage, um, she said, I just want you to be a good man in the eyes of God. And that stuck with me. And she would say it with love and she would say it repeatedly. And, you know, she never shook her fist at me or finger at me when she would say it. So I knew there was love and kindness behind it. And that was, that was a huge part. 
Step three, my aunt. And this is where things really happened, right around 2021 or so. I'm dating my now wife at the time. We just started dating. And I hear from my aunt, uh, who's passed away, a good, good Catholic woman, um, that there, are, there were messages from heaven coming to the world, allegedly, through children in another part of the world from the Blessed Mother herself. Hmm. And I was stunned by this. I said, what, what, what do you mean by this? She was, they're called apparitions. And I had no idea what this meant. And so I looked into it just a little bit. She gave me some information on it. She was doing what, what we should be doing, sharing it with loved ones, sharing it with family, getting the word out. And I hear people even today say, well, Doug, that doesn't really work. Well, no, it does work. It worked for me at least. She shared it with her nephew, me. I read through some of it. And what I saw in there were warnings of chastisement for the world. The word chastisement stood out. I talked to my aunt about it. And what she explained to me was punishment from God because of man's sin. I said, well, explain this to me. She says, well, you got to be careful because these are still allegedly going on. And, you know, you don't put a lot of weight into them. But pay attention because this is not the first time this has, ha- this has happened. Well, tell me. And she mentioned Fatima, 1917. And that's what did it. Well, when I started looking into Fatima, I went back and found a prayer book that my mom had given me, a thin little prayer book. And I'm reading through this prayer book of Fatima. Everything started to change, kind of like when you're in a desert and you take a drink of water and you realize, I'm built for this. My body needs water, especially on a hot day like this. Well, something in my soul, my mind, my heart, my intellect was all saying, there's something about this that is really, there's something different here. It's really affecting me. Specifically, the July 13th apparition where the children were shown the vision of hell and then the prophecy of World War II. Yeah. Because I, I, you knew World War II happened. Well, she told these three little kids in Fatima 20 years before that it was going to happen, and it did. So I put these things together, very cut and dry. You don't got to be an intellect when it comes to this. In fact, I like to say I got more of a blue-collar intellect than any kind of intellect. It's like, look, nuts and bolts. Give me nuts and mm-hmm. bolts, meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Throw it on the table. Let me chew it up. And this is what Our Lady said. If man doesn't stop offending God, there'll be a second war. Well, 20 or so years, 21 years later, World War II breaks out. So wow. she said it. It happened. I'm putting that together thinking, this is real. So I go to my aunt and talk to her more about it. And she reveals that there are other church-approved Marian apparitions where Our Lady has warned the world. I started digging into those things. And from that point on, my, my whole faith just, just really took a turn. And I call it the burden the burden of knowing what Our Lady's prophecies are, seeing the world the way it is, and now 30 years later, 30 years of ministry later, um, here we sit with things spiraling like they are out of control in our world, and Our Lady has warned us of this over and over and over again. And she's also given us the remedy. So anyway, that's kind of what the big change was, was that moment with Our Lady. So, um, I see that on your uh, on some of your background here. You're the founder. Am I pronouncing it right? Radex is that how you say it? Battle and Radix. Right, right. And uh, I was looking at your website, and uh, I just want to quote some of the things that I read on your website. The world that we live in is filled with broken souls, bleeding marriages, and churches that exist on life support. We all live among the tired and weary men or women who fights discouragement, apathy, and doubt. Wow. <laughs> I mean. 
Uh, <laughs> I said, what? It doesn't, sound like a, like a, doesn't sound like a bowl of glowing fruit. You know, it's not a real, hey, everything's great. This guy's not messing around. So tell, tell us a little, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's very cool, I have to say, Doug. I mean, I, um, tell me a little bit about what your ministry is trying to do. And uh, I know that it, part of it was, you know, what you learned from Fatima. But you, maybe you can articulate that, your apostolate. Absolutely, yes. When we started Radix, uh, my wife and I was right when we got married 30 years ago. So when that, that happened with Fatima and bumping into that, the, the story of Fatima, about another four or five or so years go by, then my wife and I get married and we started this ministry right away. We'd been doing high school youth group work at our parish and it just came very natural to talk to the kids. And then I got invited to speak in schools and then a couple of conferences and one thing led to another. And some college students joined on board with me, and we I organized this ministry. And from there, we started to travel around the country in different places and then connected with EWTN. And I was very blessed to be on the EWTN several times over the years and then co-host the show Life on the Rock. And so a lot's happened in the last 30 years. But it all revolves around that basic principle that you just read there, is that we're in the thick of a battle. And that that's obviously what, what uh, we're taught by the church, is that we are dealing with the battle. It's a spiritual battle, St. Paul says. First and foremost, that's our first point of contact, at least is we're dealing with wicked rulers of the heavenly realms. That's in Corinthians. That's a powerful thing to think about. There are wicked rulers in the heavenly realms that we have to deal with, and they manifest their work and their evil through people who cooperate with evil, and thus you get in the world uh, abortion and contraception and pornography and sex trafficking and murder and and, and, and lying and, and looting and rioting and all these things, domestic violence and, and all that. But you also have it on a not-so-visible scale where you've got broken hearts and, and, and neglect and people who just sit on the couch watching TV, binge-watching something on TV rather than pray, lead your family in prayer, talk with your spouse, your kids, learn to forgive, learn to work through struggles, problems, so forth. So all these different levels. It's all battle, though. It's all battlefield. And so there's a great quote that comes from the Catechism, paragraph 409. I know it's on the website there, battlereadystrong.com, where we put on there, in, in there, that quote that, in just the, the, the nutshell of it is, that our Lord tells us that man's existence on earth is warfare. It's battle. from Spanning from the beginning of man's history to the end of time. So we're in the thick of this battle. As long as we're breathing, we're in the thick of this battle. Church teaches that. Our Lord makes that clear. He himself comes into the world, does battle. This is what's in my mind most of the time is the reality that we're in the thick of this fight. And it really, it's where our Blessed Mother, when she comes in these church-approved apparitions, constantly reminds us and warns us of the reality of this fight. And she's constantly reminding us of the consequences of our choices. And they're so they're so serious and have such an eternal aspect to them, uh, not to mention even a temporal one, which means my choices, even in the temporary world here, are serious. They affect good or bad, up or down, right or left, in a big, big way. And, you know, how, how I interact with my wife on a daily basis, am I going to speak to her with kindness? Well, my choice of whether I'm going to speak with kindness affects the whole family, affects the whole day. So it's temporal, but it's also spiritual eternally. As regards to when we stand before God, we're either in the state of grace or we're not. So it is a battle. It is a fight. And we are constantly, as the church tells us, being hit with temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. So what do you do when you're in a battle if you're going to fight well? Well, you need to be trained. You need to be ready. Mm -hmm. So about 10, 11 years ago, the idea of battle ready came. I was in a conversation with one of my sons, and I said, you know what? We've got so many, especially men, 
who are just not taking this seriously. And I'm talking to my son about this, and I said, you know, son, this isn't right. We need to help men understand the role that we have. He's about 18 at the time, uh, 17, 16, 17. And I said, the role that we men have to be able to handle the fight, to be ready for this fight. And he just said, to be battle ready. And I said, oh, I like the sound of that. So I started writing emails and putting them out to people about the idea of being battle ready. And I eventually went from, you know, a few people signed up for the emails and pretty soon we had seven, eight, 9,000 people signed up and, and I'm sending emails out. And then someone invited me to come speak in their parish. And I'd already been traveling around the country doing conferences and parish missions. But this guy calls me and he says, would you come down and talk about being battle ready? And that was the first official battle ready rally. And I've done dozens of these battle ready rallies all over the country now Hmm. where going in and just firing people up, and it's not just emotional. Emotions are part of it, so they can't be denied. But they're, 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 they're not the most important part. The spiritual commitment and understanding of the faith, the intellect, those are all far more important. They have to rationally understand what's going on and rationally take the steps necessary to train and so forth. And that's what we started focusing on with Battle Ready, is to be trained, body, mind, and soul, so that you are more aware of, more prepared for, and ready to engage in the fight. Cool. Cool, Doug. Great stuff. You know, a couple of years back uh, when you were on uh, Life of the Rock, you and I met. And uh, I, I was very uh, impressed by you because uh, I guess when, when you were done interviewing me, you interviewed me on that show, um, you were talking about Fatima and Our Lady's apparitions. And at the time, I knew zero about Our Lady's apparitions at Fatima and, and what those messages were to those three young kids. Ironically enough, uh, later, a couple of years back, I met Father Andrew Apostoli and our, our ministry here did a 13-part series on called Fatima Gems. Uh, and I thought about you often. I said, boy, you know, that guy Doug introduced me about Fatima the first time around. And the thing that, the impression that left with me is that, I mean, this guy Doug is really excited in and very uh, adamant and strong. And like, I, I, that was my impression. Uh, there was a real sense of urgency in your tone. <laughs> I, you, you probably don't remember that conversation. I was like, wow, man, this guy's really intense, but rightfully so. And maybe you can articulate um, the relevance of those messages today in the world that we live. Oh, I am so glad you asked that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will. I've always had the attitude that if someone ever said to me, I mean, I've given thousands of talks. I've been very, very, very fortunate, very blessed to have the opportunity to do that. But I know sooner or later it's going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later I will give my last talk, my last presentation, my last chance to evangelize. And if anybody would ask me, what would you want to be? If they said, this is it, after this, you're not speaking again, you know, firing squad, whatever. What would you talk about? I, I want to talk about our lady. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason is because she makes so utterly clear. Let me preface it with this. She doesn't do this on her own. God sends her. So her son is sending her to the world to tell the world what these messages you know, are to be spread around the world. She's doing this because her son is sending her. It's her love, of course. Yeah. She's obviously very much on board with it. I'm not in any way diminishing that. But the point is, she comes to the world with these messages that are from her son ultimately saying to the world in Fatima, things are so important, you need to recognize that you're drifting away, and this is over 100 years ago, you're drifting away from understanding the consequences of dying outside the state of grace. The significance of those messages now, considering the way we're living now compared to 103 years ago, Mm -hmm. it's almost mind-numbing to consider. 
at the time, and back in 1917, abortion wasn't legal in America. Sure, abortions have always gone on, but we've never legalized it and celebrated it to the number and in ways we do now. I mean, you go back to the, the days of Baal, the Old Testament, and so forth, and yes, they did human sacrifice. But there's something different and more bizarre about the way we do it today, especially when many in the church are silent on the issue. Or contraception. That one really is stuck in my crawl space. It's contraception. Intrinsically evil. Those are the two words that the catechism teaches. Mm-hmm. Using contraception is intrinsically evil. It's almost never talked about, almost never preached about from the pulpit. Everybody's afraid to offend somebody on that. And yet any of us know, you look at the world around us, and I've never, thanks be to God, my wife and I have never practiced birth control of any kind. But I've talked to many men who have, they've come up to me, and I would say to them, you know, when you practice birth control, it's really in some ways the first step of treating your wife like an object. And I've had guys just kind of freeze and say, whoa, I never thought of that. It's like, look, it's not, it's not that complicated to preach about or talk about the evil of contraception, but we don't. So our lady back in 1917 is telling us that there are things coming. There are fashions coming. There are, there are the, the modesty fashions that we know are all around us. Many souls go to hell to descend to the flesh. You know, no one had any clue back in 1917 be dealing with the immodesty and the sins of the flesh that we are today. Yes, we've always had them. I understand that. But now we've got little girls, and there's some ad that just came out. Um, you know, we're doing the show. You know, ad came out that Netflix is actually putting on a little program about 11-year-old girls who are twerking yeah. or whatever that they dance. Yeah, that's crazy. Okay, this is, this is and, and that can go out all over the globe, <laughs> and people can watch it on their phones. Right? This is different than it's ever been. Yeah. So when people will say, yeah, well, Doug, the Romans did what we do, but they did it better. That's kind of an old phrase. I would say the Romans never had the internet. You can put something out on the internet in, in, in a moment. It's global and it can be reached. It can reach the darkest corners of people's hearts and minds. We have got things happening today that we could not even fathom to the degree that are, when Our Lady came. The significance of, of the apparitions of Fatima today are enormous. And I, we're just, we're just not grasping that. And she gets, I'll say this last thing about this. She says, on keeping, pray the rosary. Pray the rosary. Everybody. It's 15 to 20 minutes a day. And yeah. still, we find many reasons and many excuses why not to. And that is one of the most devastating things, I think, is that pray the rosary, fast, acts of reparation. These are not complicated things. You don't have to be educated even, meaning you don't have to have a high school degree to pray the rosary, okay? You can, or diploma, you can... You pray the rosary as a seven-year-old, all right? And Our Lady makes it that simple for us. And still, we choose, we choose not to embrace these messages. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, it's 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 almost part of our uh, it's almost part of our makeup. You know, we ignore the truth when it's right in front of us, or we ignore the messages, uh, or when people are trying to warn us. And uh, you, you you actually hit the nail on the head when you. Uh, when you express, you know, the mother of God is warning us and telling us, and and, and many of us, uh, including the church, ignores ignores it and doesn't acknowledge it. It's kind of sad and, and, and scary all in yeah, one breath. It, it is, yeah. And it's, 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 it's baffling. If you logically, rationally look at it, it makes no sense. And it, <laughs> it is, really does it, it, it is a bit terrifying to consider that we would be this obstinate Yes. To stand against, and mm-hmm. especially in the church, because yeah. there are people out there who are not Catholic. They don't get this. I understand that. We want to. We want to. We want to evangelize. We want to reach out. But mm-hmm. in the church, especially, you know, that are leaders in the church, and that's even husbands and fathers who are heads of families. You know, mothers, wives who are the hearts of homes. 
you know, who are faithful Catholics who will not take seriously or pay close attention to these messages is, um, it's, it's scary. It's baffling. Um, and I've, I've given hundreds and hundreds of talks on this over the years and I, in charity and kindness, I encourage everybody, but I will get firm on some of this stuff because time is short with regards to what we're seeing, how we're seeing things develop. It, I think it's, it's really a no brainer to realize that the trajectory of all this is not good. Yeah. Overall. If, if any listener gets anything out of this, I mean, our, our lady did say with, with a lot of vicar and strength, you know, to do the rosary daily and that will contribute yep. to the salvation of souls and also contribute to just the fu- her fulfillment and her desire to receive the mercy of her son. So, um, yeah, we have to armor up. We have to fight the fight, right? Yep. And, uh, and we also have to unite as a church. We have to, be united in this battle together. And I think uh, one of the drawbacks of our church is that sometimes we're on separate islands and we're not in it together. And uh, I know that you're a big believer in that as well. So, uh, let me just throw something real quick. If you don't mind, real quick. On that point, we started something recently called the Battle Ready Coalition. And the coalition is like a training program. So it's a a membership thing. It's $24 a month. And and I'm not sure when our next launch is to open up. We open up windows, let people, you know, sign up, and then we close the windows for a short time just because we want to focus on the training part. And we're doing regular training. We're doing video work, and we're doing, uh, um, uh, you know, e-books that come out on this. And then we're doing live Facebook interaction. Great. And the whole goal is to do exactly what you just said. Unite. Build Absolutely. the coalition. Get Absolutely. the training going body, mind, and soul, and That's be better right. prepared for the fight. Right on. Well, listen, Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure uh, reuniting with you and catching up and, and just getting our listeners to hear and, and your heart, your authentic heart, and, and uh, your loud voice in our church. And thank you for all your work. Well, I appreciate the chance to be with you. It's humbling to have the opportunity, and I, I hope and pray God's grace uh, on you and your work and uh, everybody who has a chance to hear this. I hope something great will come from it by the grace of God. Amen. Thanks, Doug. Well, as we come to the end of another podcast, I want to remind you to please share this with others. The more people that know about our work, the more people that we can bring to Jesus so he can save souls. I want to thank our donors and our supporters of Array of Hope. You can also become part of the Array of Hope family by going to our donation page on our website at arrayofhope.net. Also, stay in touch with us each and every week on social media where we can keep you engaged through our music, our videos, and our daily reflections. We have lots of great stuff to share with all of you. And also, be on the lookout for our live broadcasts on Facebook and Instagram. And also, a special note, we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet daily on Instagram at 3 p.m. So please join us as we pray as a community. Our guest next time will be Father James Brent. And it's on angels, demons, and spiritual warfare. Hey, this is a reality, folks, and you don't want to miss this one. I want to thank my co-producer, Dr. David Heideck, and our engineer, Jack Garno, for putting this all together. Thanks, guys. So thanks for joining us today, and there's always a reason for hope. This is Mario Costabile. Until next time, peace. Peace.